Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us here at another Next Level Brands Podcast. Our podcast today is brought to you by kitchentoshelf.com. Kitchen to Shelf is the educational arm of Next Level Brands CPG community and a provider of online and in-person courses and workshops for CPG entrepreneurs at all stages of growth. Whether you're an early stage startup, a local growing business, or a regional powerhouse, kitchentoshelf.com can help you scale your business at retail, on Amazon, or food service. That's kitchen, the number two shelf.com, what you need to know to grow. Hi, this is Steve Clear, and today we're gonna to do some deep diving on the psychology, concept, and the reality of consumer packaged goods packaging all with my guest, Andy Kurtz, founder and creative director of Buttermilk Creative. Andy is also a mentor with the SKU Group and Impact SKU Accelerator programs. He also gives back to the industry as the guru of email marketing for our awesome startup CPG community. Previously, he led the in-house design group at the Fresh Market, a specialty grocery store. So he has a unique perspective on packaging that's headed for retail. He's known to love a good coffee in the morning and a good bourbon in the evening. When he's not working on patching design, he's running in the backyard with his wife, Nicole, son, Arlo, and daughter, Rami. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thanks for having me, Steve. So, um, you know, we call it consumer packaged goods, right? That, that's the level of importance that packaging serves. But I sometimes get the feeling that it is either the poor stepchild of, right, especially with emerging brands, sure or it's the overwrought, we have to get to the nth degree uh, and, and, and somewhere not a good medium. So can you talk a little bit about how you get into packaging design and where you think that fits in that scale? Absolutely, yeah. So my love of packaging design came from working in-house at the Fresh Market, uh, developing their uh, private brand packaging design. And uh, they were they were unique in that there was no line look at the time. And so if you think about a Publix or a Wegmans, you know, there's this very established look right. and hierarchy to everything. And the Fresh Market just said, no, we're, we're going to do everything blank slate. And the interesting thing, it was maddening, but it was also interesting because we would let the product or the manufacturer uh, really inspire the look. And as long as it had, you know, it almost became the brand. Um, so that really helped me um, not only become very good at like researching things and uh, discovering the like hidden things about a product or a particular process or an ingredient or whatever. Um, it also just helped me become very nimble and, and sort of uh, chameleon with different looks um, and aesthetics. Uh, and so that's really where the seed was planted of this amazing world of packaging design. And then uh, six years ago, I started Buttermilk Creative and uh, just wanting to do what I did for them for our own clients. And obviously, when you go to your own clients, it's going to be it's it's multiple clients, you know, so you're doing different looks, you're doing different um, formats and substrates. Some of them are brand new startups. Some of them are established um, sort of heritage brands. Um, so each one requires a different look and approach. And from the, from the standpoint of when you're talking about it, it retail with private label and that design, there were, there was sort of two schools of thought on that too. One was, is you have kind of this, what I call the Safeway select look, right? Which was, um, 
you know, a brand in, in no matter what category the private label appeared in, you could almost tell right off the bat which, where the Safeway Select version was. Yeah. The other side was a, a mirror, if you will, of more of a mirror of what's in the category. So if the category packaging tended toward greens and blues with open windows showing the product inside, that's where the private label people went to try to say, oh, this is okay. It's similar to, or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just, but two very different approaches to that business, you know. Absolutely. And we even, while we didn't do that, there was always certain buyers who wanted to push for um, the the category norm. <laughs> and so category norm became a persona that we created in, in our, in our meetings. And um, he was, he was not a good person. <laughs> he, he was not who he aspired to be. It's like the Noid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it would, and so as soon as those sort of like that feedback would start bubbling up, we would say, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to be category norm. Category norm's boring. He's already been there, done that. He's out there on the shelf. Um, let's try to innovate and come up with something that's different. And I, I, you know, there is something to be said about user experience and customers looking for certain um, aspects of a, of a design or of a format that you just expect. So like, for instance, if you put, I'm just making this up, if you put olive oil in a bag, that's probably going to throw some people for a loop. It, It might make them like think that, wow, these folks are so innovative and cool and different. They've put olive oil in a bag, but it also might flop, you know, and be fail like uh, because people are used to buying them in, you know, in in glass bottles. And that's really what you're looking for when you go looking for a nice bottle of olive oil. So, so there is some balance there, you know, it's like, you gotta, you gotta tap into certain things. Um, but then you also want to push the envelope so that you don't just look like you're not making a cream filled uh, cookie and you're putting yourself in a blue package because <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, you know you're just trying to be Oreo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm I, I'm not going to mask that, but there are there are companies out there who who do that. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I, you look at the stuff and you go, oh man, you could you should pay royalties at least or something. <laughs> um, sure. Andy, for for let's talk for a minute about um, startups, aspirational, early stage, whatever. So the packaging generally tends to reflect, I think, the founder's aspiration or vision or whatever. And depending upon their, where they come from, right? So, it, it, you know, it, it isn't, a package designer has probably not looked at it. So it either is something close to what's in the category, category norm, which I think is just great, by the way, um, or it's, wrong totally for the kid, right? It's just whatever they had or whatever the commercial kitchen had or the co-man or whatever it was had. It's like, we're going to put it in that <laughs> bottle because that's the bottle I got. Now, how do you work with founders and stuff to sort of gently get them into this idea of, no, you really need to design the package? Well, the, you know, the, it's, um, you're trying to break them of a lot of of a behavior because they, as a founder, they are likely wearing a lot of hats. So it was just part of the many things that they're doing. I got to get this done. Yeah. Should, yeah. And, and uh, what they shouldn't be doing, you know, now at the, when you, when you first start off, you do have to sort of 
um, balance all the different expenses and investments and things like that. And sometimes packaging isn't, you just need to prove the concept, you know, and prove that this is going to be a viable product. So I, I, I totally understand that. And if it's a really great product and you're making good connections and you're getting in front of some folks, then it, it should survive, but it should almost, you know, as you are get, gaining success, just like you're not going to sit there and package up everything yourself like you used to. You're not going to sit there and design things maybe like you used to. And um, and then, you know, it just so, you know, it's it's just trying to get them to to understand that and understand that, you know, you the your product deserves a professional touch. And that really is what's going to help, um, help it scale and help it, help it grow. And, um, you know, one of the other things that we also bring to the table, which a lot of founders don't think about, or maybe inexperienced designers is compliancy. Now we don't, you know, we don't have like a legal department, but we've been doing it for so long that we know how big the net weight needs to be. We know the, the different sizes of, of the, the, um, the uh, technical content and things like that. Right. And so that's the stuff that the grocery buyers are looking for. I was in far too many cuttings where we would taste just an amazing uh, product, but it was, you know, a, a either, either it looked unprofessional, maybe it had all the elements, but it was just labels on a bag um, or it didn't have the right elements at all. And it was, you know, and the, the buyer's not going to coach, you know, these, from manufacturers and makers on how to get on shelf. They're just not going to put you on shelf. And that's what we help people understand too. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a design and aesthetic perspective, but it's also a technical um, perspective as well to it. In, um, in some work that my agency did with Nabisco, um, we had looked at some unaided recall for a new product launch and there was some advertising, serious advertising behind it fine, whatever. And people would buy the product and then it, it select stores. Basically they would be approached a person who would give them a free coupon because they'd selected the product. And it, could you answer a couple of questions for me? Mm-hmm. But what they were trying to find out was, was how well the advertising campaign had alerted the consumer to the fact that this new product was there. Mm. And, and the bottom line was, is that 89% or whatever it was, was very, very close to 90%. Never saw the ad. Never. Why did you buy it? I bought it because I saw it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So that said to me, okay, these guys don't play around and they're still spending a lot of money on advertising, believe me, because for that other 10%, right, yeah. it's good to try the product. But the rest of the world, and, and pretty much for, especially for like emerging brands, I think, is the first time people are ever going to see your product ever is going to be on a shelf somewhere or mm-hmm. at, on Amazon. And we'll talk about that in a minute too. But you know what I mean? So it's like, you've got to have think about that in your packaging, right? Think about that. You wouldn't go out and produce a TV commercial on your own. You wouldn't, right? You know, um, but that messaging and that design is what's going to account for at least 85% or whatever of the people who buy your product. And that it's just so critical. And I think a lot of people in emerging brands don't really don't get that. They just don't understand that concept, but yeah, they should. Absolutely. Yeah. What about at this point, Andy, where we're talking, uh, we've had a, a lot of the pandemic kind of pushed it back, but just before the pandemic, we were really getting some progress in the technical part of packaging that was more recyclable, 
mm-hmm. uh, less plastic, all that good stuff. And then all of a sudden the pandemic came along, bam, that just like disappeared. But when it comes back and is maybe coming back a little bit because people maybe are more concerned about their health or whatever than they were, what they're putting in their bodies, does that make packaging more critical, both from a recyclable sense or a good for you, good for the environment sense, or from a communication sense in the fact that now you have to talk about, hey, this, by the way, is good for your body? Yeah, I mean, all fronts. Uh, I think there's a huge there's going to have to be a huge education component to the recyclable, compostable um, packaging. And so people understand not only that, what to do with them, um, but then also uh, so they don't contaminate, you know, bins and things like that. But then also so that you get credit for it. Like this stuff's not going to be cheap for, you know, a while until the bigger the bigger um, CPG companies start investing in this technology. So you want to get credit. I mean, it's just like why you would put your USDA organic or your non-GMO certification on the front of your pack, because you, you invested a lot of money and you want to make sure the whole world knows that. And and it should be the same with, with your packaging. uh, If you're exploring or utilizing sustainable or or less impact um, um, packaging. And then, so, so there's like a, a brand aspect to it. Then there's the education aspect to it. And then there's just, like you say, like the, the health aspect to it as well. Um, and that can be woven into your storytelling, probably on the back or, you know, maybe on your website or something. But I do think that making sure you have this good, succinct statement about, you know, what to do with the packaging and, and um, the, the, the amount of impact that it doesn't have um on the environment yeah um when an emerging brand or smaller brand um approaches buttermilk all right how how do you guys work with that sort of what's your modus operandi for taking in a new client or seeing if you can help them with their packaging what do you do sure we uh will usually um help them just like i i sort of talked about look at the the opportunities around messaging and uh, and we like to look at the category and sort of see basically a planogram, um, a generic one. You know, if they know exactly the store they're going into, for instance, we just worked with a, a uh, an emerging yogurt Greek yogurt brand, and they had um, they had Safeway as one of their um, uh, um, you know they were going to go into Safeway, and so they had the um, they had planograms of the dairy set, which was amazing. And we could really look at before we even started the design, we could look at what are the opportunities around color, around um, just a general look and feel to help them stand out uh, on shelf. And so, you know, we just, that's what we start. We start before we even designing things. We look at the, the category to see where the opportunities, we make a list of those, like, you know, it might be like bright colors, um, big product photography or windows or what, you know, whatever it is, we're just trying to look for opportunities that aren't being tapped into, um, on shelf. And then we, uh, will shift into design and that's, you know, we do it just like everybody else does. Probably we go into a sketchbook first and we, um, we're very loose and we're sort of all over the place and organic. And then we go into the, to the computer and we get a little bit more narrowed down and again, we're always sort of proving our concepts to 
the shelf set. So we'll sit there and plop in the the concepts into those shelf sets because, you know, anything looks beautiful on a white background, you know, in a PDF presentation. But when it's up against in this noisy shelf, you know, that's when it has to work. And that's when it really uh, and we'll take print stuff off, take it into the store as well um, to review things. Uh, and then we also try to, as early as we can, understand what the print requirements are. That's a huge thing, too, because we don't want to present anything that might fall apart on the press, you know, because it's going to print two color. And we just presented something that's, you know, whatever, four color or whatever. Um, and, and now we have to break it to the client that you know, yeah. it's, it's going to cost them a bunch this, of more money. This doesn't work on corrugate. Sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah exactly. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's it's pretty and we also try to, um, you know, the the we try to be pretty flexible with our clients as far as process goes. We're not super rigid. Um, and we try to just be very because that's we feel like that gives it enough space um, for good ideas to flow back and forth. Um, so, right. you know, yeah, we're pretty we feel like we're pretty easy to work with <laughs> from the standpoint of and again, um, the, the retail right background and being in particularly if you're in something like barbecue sauce or bars or, or whatever, where there's just, you know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. whatever 20,000 individual SKUs in a typical grocery store, 25,000. It's like, you're trying to stand out. Great. Yeah. Um, but let's go to the other side, which is, all right, now we have a lot of emerging brands and stuff who have chosen direct to consumer through their own website, through Amazon and walmart.com, whatever. Um, here, all of a sudden you've gone from, okay, I'm on this planogram to bam, I'm on a space in a page. Do you look at possibly doing different packaging for D2C than retail or do you try to meld the two or how do you, how do you deal with the e-commerce aspect of it? I, so we, we try to get people to understand that um, eventually you're going to be on shelf. You know, it might not be part of your, growth plan at the moment, but that's right. really the only way you're going to scale right. and get in front of a ton of people is to get it on shelf. And it might seem like it's easier just to do D to C and you're going to become the next Casper or Allbirds or whatever, but that's, that's super rare. And so, um, so we design the, we design the packaging like it's going to go on shelf, whether if, even if it's going D to C or on Amazon. The neat thing about when it's, you know, a D to C or Amazon, um, you know, channel is that there's what you have like five different thumbnails or whatever that yep. you can yep. display. So Unless you're in a plus content. Yes. Yeah. And so, so that's awesome. Like, there you go right there. You've got your, your um, front of pack, back of pack. You've got some kind of really cool story that you've been able to to design a, a an image for. There's probably a video there, you know, and so like it's just much richer, and uh, which you can't do on shelf. All you have is your your little packaging out there working as hard as it can can. Um, so in some ways, it now this doesn't obviously help you when you're looking at the grid, you know, of everything, right. Um, it's once you click through to the product, which, you know, some would argue, then there you go. That's that the grid has become the planogram now, the Amazon grid. So, um, so trying to stand out there, but once you get in there and then on your own site, you know, you have all this real estate to tell all these stories and, um, you know, if it's compelling, people read it, uh, 
And if they don't, Google's reading it for SEO. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, I don't, we don't change the one thing that, you know, is a, is a little different in, in, in addition that, uh, startups and and folks need to think about is their unboxing experience. So, you know, only Amazon can throw their products in a box, you know, with some fill and then ship it off, you know, and like, and we know, we know to expect no no more, no less. (laughs) We, we, we are trained to not be impressed by Amazon in, in their, you know, how, how we get received their stuff. Um, What, so what you need to think about, if you're D2C, especially if you can control that, is what that whole unboxing experience is. So, you know, delivering on that promise uh, that you've made on your website or on your social media to the doorstep. And I mean, even in between, you know, like the checkout experience, all that kind of stuff, the follow-up emails, um, but especially that tangible thing that you get. You, You probably remember, you can think of the last package that you got that really surprised and delighted you, you know, and it really stood out and you're like, you know, versus the non-memorable ones, which are probably mostly Amazon. Um, but there are some small sellers, like we just ordered some, um, this great pickle salsa and it literally came, I guess we did order it from Amazon, but anyways, it came just like in a basic corrugate, you know, box. And it was, and there's so much fun imagery on the, on the jar. And it could just, you know, even just printed tape, you know, like you don't even have to go all out and like, you know, have a custom design structure for your box and shipper and all this kind of stuff. Just the extra attention around doing a a, a printed tape for your shipping tape. Right. right. Um, you know, just stuff like that. And that's that stuff that can be dual purpose between, you know, sending to your customers. And then when you do start approaching uh, buyers that's the stuff that's going to stand out to them. You know, not the, not the folks that are just sending out the basic Uline box and then they're printing off the Excel spreadsheet, you know, of their, of their line sheet, you know, no, invest some time in those materials. Cause that's the stuff that's going to be, they're yeah. going to pass around the office and they're going to share with their friends and things like that. I, I, when you mentioned that, I immediately went to two, uh, two boxes and I'll, I'll, I'll give them calls. Um, of that level of experience. First one was Matt Weiss at Rind Snacks. Yeah. Worth Great worth, order, worth ordering <laughs> just to see the presentation. Yeah. The second <laughs> one is fellow Andy is uh, Andrew Suzuka at Odomot. Now, Odomot has a, a challenge, which I was going to talk to you about a little bit too, is glass. Mm, yeah. It's in glass. So he said, oh no, there's no, there was no question. We designed the shipper. And yeah. He sent it to me and I saw it and they did, they designed it and you can buy it's uh, six bottles, whatever. So when you're ordering, even on Amazon, you're getting it in a shipper they've designed and printed. Yes. And talk about the opening aspect. First of all, the protection and then the, you know, the inserts and everything. Gorgeous, gorgeous. And you yeah. go, this is really good. Stuff. I haven't even gotten to the bottle yet. Right. <laughs> and, and, the, and the bottles look great too, but you know what I mean? It's that, but you're right. That unboxing experience at first, because particularly on D2C, it's also brand. It's not just all the other factors of being on the shelf. It's you're trying to get in the consumer's mind what this brand means. And again, if it comes in a, you know, the Uline six by six by nine with some, you know, super heavy packing tape around it, that's not the same experience. 
Yeah, you're you're a Uline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the brand I remember. See, and we both say yeah. it. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> we've already done that. We're we're trained. Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about so we're about that with the idea of in package design, um, the physical. So I'm not talking artwork and graphics or content copy. Mm-hmm. I'm talking design. Um, do I put something in a triangular, triangular? Does it have to be real? What are those sort of things you you take a look at? Or is it simply that you already know that if it's tomato sauce, we're going to do it in a glass jar because everybody else is in a glass jar? Well, so the the factors, and we we honestly don't get into, we'll, if our clients are sort of trying to figure out some different options, we'll help them wade through that. Um, but we really, most of them have invested a lot of money in their their lines by the time we get involved. Right. And so we wouldn't, you know, if they're used to filling glass jars, we're not going to say, oh, well, you should change to cartons or I don't know, you know, like, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and so we really don't get involved in that too much. But what the factors that if if we were to advise on that, it would be around you know, like you said, thinking about shipping and then sitting on the shelf easily. Um, so, you know, like uh, I talked to somebody yesterday about um, they had a, a, a an abnormally tall jar and, um, you know, they hadn't pulled the trigger on it yet. And so I just told, you know, we talked about the potential of like it being hard to put on the shelf and or it getting stuck or, you know, something like that, you know, and it. And so um, those are just factors that, you know, that might look really cool, a super slender, tall jar of whatever, but you have to think about the function of it. And, um, and then, uh, you know, uh, to your point around like funky shapes and stuff, like, again, that, like that might, you know, it might be cool to have like a spiral, you know, shaped box or something, but if you can only fit two or, you know, two on the shelf, when your competitor who's nice and rectangular can fit four, then guess who the buyer's going to stick with, you know, like, yeah. or, you know, they're going to, that, that's going to factor into their, their thinking. And it also just going into a, into a shipper, you know, it's all about maximizing that space so you can um, get as many in a case as you can. Um, right. So, yeah. And, and space, space on the shelf, very, you know, uh, another very important factor because that's what again what the buyers is also looking at that's what they're crunching yeah 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 just can i need another two feet at this or i only have eight feet in yeah. my section and i need to get as many you know facings whatever as i can get into it exactly. but um i did some work with for a number of years with star uh olive oil and vinegar and star vinegars all come in that famous chianti shaped bottle right oh, so yeah. it's thin little neck <laughs> And then it bulges out of it. Every time you would go in front of a buyer, the first thing the buyer would say is, when are you getting rid of that? And giving me a either round all, you know, whatever, because he says, you take up, you know, too much space. Yeah. So I'm going to, yeah. And we say, well, yeah, but the problem is, is that in consumer research, right? And you show them the bottles, they go, oh yeah, that's Star, right? Like right? it doesn't look like Bertoli. It doesn't look like, they know. So mm-hmm. it's that balance of trying to find something that's distinctive, but also meets, you know, meets shelf as you will requirements. And that's, that's a good point. Andy, uh, let us know, by the way, for Buttermilk Creative, where can people find more information and, and stuff about what you guys do? Sure. You can visit buttermilkcreative.com. 
and you can learn all about us and um, see our work and um, and connect with us. And then we also uh, I host a um, a weekly clubhouse conversation on packaging design every Tuesday at 3 p.m. And my uh, my clubhouse handle is Buttermilk Andy. Buttermilk. Hey, that's clever. All right. <laughs> Yes, I've gotten notices on that from from CPG startup, so that's that's really good. Um, and can you uh, enlighten us a little bit about buttermilk? Sure. Uh, buttermilk is uh, basically well. Here, let me restart. Um, so when we think about what we do here at Buttermilk, it's basically the same as the ingredient buttermilk. We just make things better. And so you know, if you you're, you when you know when you're eating uh, pancakes and you know when you're eating buttermilk pancakes or you're having buttermilk ranch yeah, or you, you know, and so it just make th- makes things taste better, fluffier. And so that's the same thing we do for brands. Uh, we just make them, make them better. That's great. All right, it's good. Good. Cause I, I, when I, when I first heard it, I was like, wow, I'll, I'll remember what that is, but I got to ask them why, why, why <laughs> buttermilk. So it wasn't like the nickname of your aunt or whatever, which is, you know, I mean, I, I'm from the South, so we, we consume a lot of buttermilk down here. <laughs> yeah, right. And so it, it only, only natural. Um, in looking at packaging trends and stuff, what, what do you see, um, you know, going forward? Is there going to, um, does the whole plant-based thing impact packaging at all? Or are the materials or are there art things that are happening or fonts that are really hot or what, you know? What's sort of coming down the road in, in CPG back? So uh, it, it looks to me like color is just getting more and more important and um, uses of color. So, you know, people are exploring more gradients and things like that versus solid blocks of color. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's, a, there's almost a bit of a, especially with startups, a bit of a backlash against um, what we would call a sort of uh, traditional CPG look. So, you know, you think about flowy um, shapes and bubbly um, elements and, and, and you know, like, uh, I don't know, just very over-the-top effects. You know, lots of companies are going more flat, graphic, illustrative-driven, um, but it also is very category-appropriate. So, um, you know, that's really, right. within each category, there's, a lot of funky stuff going on. The other thing that's interesting is that craft and um, sort of more natural textures and things like that aren't necessarily the indicators of a natural product anymore. Like you can have a natural product that has tropical colors and is super bright. And, you know, so like we don't have to resort to those, like, you know, um, the, those sort of tropes anymore. We're sort of free to do whatever. Um, and, and explore different uh, ways of showing natural and um, you know healthy and that kind of stuff. Yeah, like like we 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 cut this package out of old pizza boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and even pizza boxes have evolved. So you know, <laughs> it, it, they're they're coming along too. Um, from a if I, if I'm emerging brand and I and I guess that we should do a little definition, but I'm going to say somewhere you know you're maybe doing a million dollars a year. Um, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, um, 
we talk about refreshes and, and, and I'll admit it just used to drive me crazy when, you know, the first thing a new brand manager would do on a big brand is come in and do a package refresh. Even uh-huh. they've done one two years ago. It's like, seriously, is it really, we need that. When do you think from a size standpoint or a distribution standpoint, is it when you get to Winn-Dixie, when you get to it, that you should have something ready to go or do you start down the road in retail, see how it's working and then evolve that packaging? The, the, the latter you evolve. Um, and, and it is, you can almost set a timer to like when, if, if a brand is sort of going sort of a, a, um, you're sort of like, a not, not traditional, but like a, a sort of a, a normal growth rate, right. then you're looking at probably whatever you've launched with and you're getting into some stores and getting some distribution you're probably looking at within the year, you're going to redesign that packaging. Uh, And then after that, depending on how many more stores you're getting into and things like that, it might be another year or two when you evolve that and redesign that. So really in that first five years or whatever, you've probably redesigned two or three times and you're trying to, you're, you need to be nimble enough to react to, like we talked about earlier, the first iteration is likely the vision of the founder, and they haven't really done a ton of uh, research on who their core customer is and their target audience. Right. And so as it's out there and you're talking to more brokers and more buyers, you're going to learn and, and customers, you're going to learn more about what they what's going to appeal to them. And you want to take advantage of that and incorporate it into your packaging. I have a project, another side project going where I'm interviewing founders on the packaging that they launched with and what they currently have. It's called how, how it started and how it's going. And, um, and the, we, um, and it's for startup CPG on their blog. And uh, the first one that I've done that's out there actually published was uh, the Kate and Ryan Harvey, who um, sure. are the founders of Barebones brought. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and so it was just so cool to like hear their perspective because, you know, they have great packaging now. Um, and then to see, you know, what they launched with, you know, and they were just super, uh, you know, it just was, it was neat to hear their evolution. And then, um, so I've got a couple more queued up, which, um, but it's, but I'm starting to see a common thread with everyone, you know, it's, uh, um, you, you just, you evolve with the time and you should let your packaging do that. Uh, and allow it to do that. And, and just know, manage your expectations and know that whatever you've launched with is likely going to change very quickly as you get out there more and more. And, and as in, in, in one of the aspects of growing a brand is the fact that your initial, the founder's vision, uh, that while they may find the audience they intended, they may find a whole nother audience yeah. Yeah. out there. And all of a sudden you go, well, wait a minute, like I really wanted to go to I really wanted to talk to vegan, single women athletes. And the truth of the matter is I'm selling way more to moms with two kids. Yeah. So I, I got to stop. I got to stop and think is, you know, do I want to keep talking, you know, to Margaret, the triathlete, or do I shift a little bit and talk to Susie? Right. It, and I've got to have that, you know, and that different and the tolerance level for those changes and stuff, whatever is different, obviously, you know, between those, those audiences. But yeah, the, 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 the evolution, the packaging evolution is, um, 
it, it's fun. I'm looking forward to hearing Kate and Harbin because they're great people. I've had Kate on the my podcast and oh, cool. I, I follow them and <laughs> they're I, amazing. I, I use the stuff. It's great. It's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remember on one of the other shows we did, we had Keith Belling who did pop chips, sold that mm-hmm. and then started a company called Right Rice. And mm-hmm. I complimented Keith on the program. I said, because I said, Keith, you chose black for your packaging. And there was a time when, you know, the rule was in food, you didn't use black. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. not, not and even purple was suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and he said that he, he had done with his design team what you were talking about, which is they did the planogram, they brought it in and they said, okay, here's basically grains and rices. Wow, it's a sea of white. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of yellow here. There's a little bit of red over here. There's a you know, brown. Put the black package right there and it's like, boom, like somebody slapped you going down the yeah. aisle. And yeah. so he went with that. And then a bright, when he introduced the other uh, iteration in the line, he did a very bright mustard yellow. Same mm. thing. You cannot, yeah. cannot miss it, you know? So you can say it's lousy design, but man, I'll tell you, it's, it, it, it stands out if nothing else. So absolutely. Um, how do you deal, any with the fact that there's so much of the packaging that is quote unquote required, right? I've got to have my nutritionals. I got to have my ingredients. I got to have my address, my corporate address, whatever. Um, do you try to set aside at least a, within the regulation stuff to say, okay, well, I know this has to be at least 10% of the back panel or whatever. How, how do you jumble that all up and, and help people work through that? Oh, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> the, the, it's usually the first things that we go ahead and set into the package is the, you know, the net weight and the, the back panel information and everything in any kind of certifications or, or uh, icons that they need on the front of the pack. And it really, it, that's it. They're set in stone, you know, like they can, you know, you can move the, the net weight from the center to either to side yeah. or whatever, but it really is, it, it is what it is. And that's what, you know, if we, um, if I talk to design students or, or, um, you know, folks that haven't been out in the, the, um, the world for very long, you know, they will, uh, I'll see their packaging designs and they've made like the net weight, a really pretty font that's like tucked in, in the corner. And, you know, you just have to break it to them that that's not going to fly. And, uh, you know, sometimes clients will make that too. They're like, Oh, I love this design, but man, that net weight's way too big. And it's not, it's, it's, it's the exact, and I, I, I max out the minimum. <laughs> okay. Yep. You know? I like that. And, and so, um, so really, you know, that it's, they're just, they are what they are. They can move around, but they can't move off. And so we just, and I think that's a, a lot of our clients, that's what they're looking for from us. So that that's one thing that's sort of taken off either their QA department, like obviously they're going to look at it and they're going to make sure everything's correct, but they don't have to worry about it getting flagged by the FDA or, you know, I mean, they, they, they could flag anything, you know, depending on oh, if sure. it, yeah. they hadn't had their cup of coffee yet or whatever. But, um, but we'd like to think that we get them off on the right path that, you know, they're, they're going to be fine. But yeah, we just design around them from the get-go. Um, how did the effect of the, or what was the effect of the pandemic on your business? So we, and interestingly enough, while everybody was developing websites, we lost a website, um, or at least it was postponed, um, mainly because it focused on sort of uh, uh, 
it was around um, a product that would be used in like picnics and like big gatherings for the summer. And, you know, obviously we weren't doing that. So that, that um, client postponed that, but really um, it really, I think we, we, we were, it's good to be in the food business. Uh, You know, lots of, once we got, you know, once we got over this sort of like the, a bit of the uncertainty um, our clients started developing new products and you could just sort of feel an energy even before the vaccine started rolling out that there was just this excitement and energy um, coming into the end of the year. And, and just, you know, um, so really it's, we've been pretty bustling um, this whole time. And then again, like trying to pivot and help clients uh, get their e-commerce stores up or, you know, develop right. some unboxing for them. Um but yeah, it's the, yeah, we've, we've been doing knock on wood pretty well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right about being involved in, in, in food. I mean, it's, it's um, amongst the people that I work with, there were a couple of people who got hit really bad uh, sure. to shut down actually just stopped, but they were fledgling and it was going to be kind of an uphill climb. There yeah. were others who were very e-commerce forward and exploded just yeah. crazy. Just yeah. went nuts. And while it has receded and we're now able to look at year over year, it hasn't gone back anywhere near. I mean, it's, there's still people still buying stuff online because they they're used to buying it online now. So yeah, there's habits that have been set for right. sure. We'll see what happens if they, if they try to go back to the store. Um, so I'll try to combine two areas of interest and uh, expertise. So what's the best design bourbon bottle out there? <laughs> oh man. Um, and, yeah. and, and we're on audio here, so people can't see what I'm showing. I'm, I'm holding it, but this is the maker's mark. Pen. <laughs> That's great. With the, drip, <laughs> the drip on the end, yes. I, you know, I, it's like, oh, really? This is amazing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know what it is? I mean, as soon as I open the box, oh, 100%. Box, went, oh, it's a maker's mark pen. Cool. So, so I, I, um, What's funny is that I don't, I buy bourbon based on reviews and, you know, just if I like it or not, like if I've had it before, I like it. But you you look at the bottles as a designer. A little bit, a little bit, but I've been, you know, like it's, it is sometimes I'm suspect of, 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 of a very beautiful bottle of, you know, because I, I wonder, I they, yeah. they, you know, even though I'm the packaging designer, it makes me a little wary. Um, and so I guess <laughs> I, I, I would pick because it's one of my favorites and because it's, um, I think it's iconic, um, old granddad. Uh, okay. It, it is, um, it has an, they have an orange label. They did a refresh a couple of years ago. Um, and they cleaned up some stuff and updated some of the typography, but it still has this nice vintage feel to it. Like it literally looks like it would be on the shelf of, you know, your, your granddad. Um, and, um, but, you know, it still feels clean and modern. And I don't know, that's, that would be my pick just because that's the one I can think of. Cause that's my, that's my sort of go-to. <laughs> awesome. That's great. I want to thank you, Andy, for taking time to be with us today. And as you know, we try to uh, we try to get our guests to um, since most of our audience is emerging brand people, entrepreneurs, or people on teams, others in the industry. 
Um, we would like some words of wisdom from our guests as to what they think fellow entrepreneurs ought to know. And, and you can direct yours toward general business or toward packaging or whatever you want. But can you share sure. something with us? Sure. Uh, my best piece of advice is to invest early and invest often in your uh, branding and your packaging, because that is your face to the world. That's, that's, that's who you, that's how you communicate with, with your customers. And, Don't and, and, and it is, you can have a website with a lot of, you can have, you know, you can have a lot of followers on, you know, right. And, but that's nothing compared to the number of people that walk down an aisle every day. Yeah. 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 Great. Super. Well, thanks. Anna. really appreciate it. And uh, for being with us and talking a little bit more about, you know, for a lot of people, packaging is kind of a mystery thing and um, you know, to, to help explore that a little bit. And folks, if you want to see more of Andy and his team's work, you can go to buttermilkcreative.com. And also be sure to catch Andy on Startup CPG and, uh, and, and take a listen to the new, um, you know, the how it started and how it looks now. Yes. All Thank right. you. Thank you so much. And thanks to all the rest of you for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast, part of the Next Level Brands CPG community. If you have a growing firm in food, beverage, health and wellness, you should be part of the Next Level Brands community, education, resources, workshops, founder coaching and more. Information available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's. This is Steve Clear. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.